Hey guys. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. GM, GM, GM. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I missed you guys last week. I'm bummed I couldn't be here. It's fun to it's fun to be back. I love our Emerge weekly check-ins. Um, and there's always so much going on. There's always so much to recap. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, we missed you too, but it's a good thing these things aren't recorded so you can't hear everything <laughs> we said about you. Right, right, right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, I, I don't think that's true, Ryan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> lies, Ryan. Lies. <laughs> I'm going to have to go do some digging now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, wow, wow, wow. Well, it's been, uh, it's been a, busy, a busy week in the, the AI world. Um, let's just uh, maybe go ahead and kick it off and we can let people tune in um, as, as they come. But um, just for anyone listening in a little bit of context here. Um, so we at Decrypt are a next generation media company and creative studio that's powered by Web3 and AI. Um, and we do these little weekly check-ins. So me, this is Abigail speaking. I'm the head of marketing and Ryan and Jason, um, who are writers and editors uh, over at Decrypt. And both of them focus on a lot of emerging technology, specifically so, AI-related topics. Um, and Ryan is also the hub lead for Emerge. Emerge is our latest hub that we launched about a month ago at Decrypt that covers all things artificial intelligence, machine learning, decentralized science, health tech, space tech. All the kind of fun nerdy shit that we love to talk about. So Ryan is the hub lead for that. Hit him up with any fun stories that you guys have. Um, he's always willing to kind of um, hear from you guys. Um, so anyways, the whole conversation kind of... broke out today uh, in the Slack about freezing your brain. So keep an eye out for that one. Wait, what? I missed this. Can you can you recap the Slack conversation for us? Well, I think it's more a preview of things to come, but, you know, um, in emerging tech and particularly in biohacking, there are people who uh, want to preserve themselves. And although the technology doesn't exist to bring them back now, they're assuming that by stuffing themselves in a freezer uh, in 20 years from now, we'll figure out how to bring to thaw them without killing them. So that'll be interesting. Oh, my God, this is insane. I'm assuming that this is uh young to middle-aged male billionaires. Is that the correct demographic? I suppose, but this goes all the way back to Walt Disney and people saying he did it, but, you know, who knows? Well, one of the enduring, I don't know if you want to call it a rumor, urban legend about Bitcoin is that Hal Finney it was cryo-freezed after he passed away. And I don't, I don't know the reality of that, but I've seen it a lot online that that's one of the one of his uh, particular interests before he passed away. And of course, he's one of the many names on, on the line to be considered Satoshi Nakamoto. So it's interesting that it even goes into the crypto Web3 space. Wait, this is wild. I'm just looking up the story. Um, I, I wasn't aware of this. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing here, yeah, Finney and his wife both decided to have their bodies uh, crying chronically is that you say that chronically frozen more than 20 years ago were they frozen alive i know i don't think so alive okay and, <laughs> and uh but he i i believe he passed away 
before they did it, if I'm remembering my my urban legends correctly. Um, so his body is cryogenically frozen. It's so hard to say that word. Oh God. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know how that would work if you've already passed away. It seems like we missed the missed the opportunity. But I guess if if, if technology and healthcare gets better. Maybe they can revive a person who's already passed away is the idea? That's the idea. Sorry for the derailment. <laughs> but yes, that's when we that's the fun we have at Emerge. Well that's no, that's not a derailment because we are talking about biohacking and one of the things about biohacking is longevity and living longer lives. So, you know, if if I were a billionaire and I had an idea that one day you'd be able to I'd freeze myself too. <laughs> Would you really? I don't. I don't know if I would freeze myself. Wow, Ryan, would you? No, I just have this feeling that all of the um, Futurama slash dark uh, examples of how this could go wrong are more likely than anything, and I would be thawed in a time of great uh, Armageddon and just come alive just in time to see the world end. So, no, I, I can miss that. If I can get frozen and thawed out after. Mad Max happens when we've gotten the world back together, I'm fine. I'd really hate to get thawed out right during Fury Road. That would suck. <laughs> I know. Because I, I, I don't drive a very souped up car, so I wouldn't really do well in the wasteland. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, dead. Yeah. Um, dead, dead pet intended. Um, no, that is wild. I, uh, if we're thinking about highs lows or uh uh-ohs and i know this is more biohacking than ai related but i would say this is probably an uh uh-oh like it it sounds kind of fun and exciting but it's also like you said it you know when would people be brought back that would most likely be whenever future generations would want to like use them for something versus you know we're not going to be brought back when like you know it's all things all things are well again like it would probably be back during Armageddon, which is not not great. Well, I think with most of this technology, the high, low, and uh-oh depends on how it's being used and who's using it. So if only billionaires get to be cryogenically frozen, hey, I said it right, and no one else does, that's an uh-oh because that just perpetuates an elitist society. But if everyone gets the option and it's affordable and you can do this for your parents, your children, your, yourself, your, your, your pets. I don't know how, I don't know anyone who wouldn't want to have their, their dog back who, who passed away, you know, that that's, and uh, we are near Halloween. So I'm going to caution that with the whole go watch pet cemetery to find out the downside to that. (laughs) But it's, wait, what is, what is pet cemetery? You've never seen pet cemetery. No, I have not. Tell me. Oh, okay. <laughs> After this space, I want you to call out sick and then go watch Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> down, down. Cool. I'll, I'll let the team know. <laughs> <laughs> you have my permission. <laughs> Amazing. Pet Cemetery. Um, that is that is funny. Um, I feel like we're probably going to end up having people on other planets before we have people 
coming back after being frozen. Um, oh, for sure, hundred percent. We'll we'll be on Mars well before we figure out how to how to revive the dead. It's 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 interesting though because if you think about it, death has been probably the one constant, if not fear, curiosity that we've had for millennia. I mean, look at what all the stuff they found in King Tut's tomb, right? It was stuff for him to live after he passed away. It was like, it wasn't just, okay, he's dead, put him in the hole and go about your day. No, we want him to have chairs. We want to have tables. We want to have servants. We want him to have all this stuff that he'll need to continue on his life. It was a legitimate thought that this person isn't done yet. And I think that's what carries over even after all these years into this topic of re- rejuvenation and reviving the, the dead after they passed away. Yeah, that always made me sad when I was a kid because they were like, oh, well, I, I just remember that conversation like, oh, what about his, I think it was about cats at that point. Like, you know, um, how I guess he gets to take his cats with him. And they were like, yeah, they killed the cat. <laughs> they killed the cat so he has company. I'm like, wait a minute. But anyway, I digress. Um, okay so I think we we derailed long enough Um, (laughs) how's everybody doing yeah I I think so too I think so too but I think my takeaway is that I need to go watch Pet Cemetery um, after this space so so I can make that happen but let's um yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit maybe about um, Biden's executive order. Um, a couple of days ago, President Biden put out a 26 point mandate executive order reining in artificial intelligence. A bunch of AI related stocks plummeted after this um, was wondering if you guys could one of you could give a, a little summary maybe of what this executive order entails um, and if there's anything that you think that the AI community should be cautious about um, in the wake of this? Uh, well, I mean, the idea is providing safe and secure AI, right? So you have uh, governments, it's not just the United States, it's also the EU, it's also, you know, um, countries all over the world who are trying to regulate artificial intelligence. My my concern about governments stepping into AI is the same as governments trying to regulate crypto, is that this is a global thing that you can't, it, it's not like you can shut it off. So you could put up rules, but these companies could just move to jurisdictions you don't control and keep doing what they're doing. So I'm not sure how effective it's going to be, but I think it's it's good at least to the point where the government is saying this is where we stand on AI in this country. And you've also covered in the past, Jason, about, you know, for example, the millions of dollars, billions of dollars that Microsoft and Google are putting into Australia, AI in Australia. And I think that just like with crypto, we also see that if the United States proves to be hostile or at least uncertain, um, these opportunities will just go overseas. The other thing that I've really thought was interesting about this Biden uh, directive is that it sparked this entire conversation about regulatory capture, which, uh, well, in short, you know, there's the theory that, like, for example, Meta, our good friends uh, under Mark Zuckerberg, are actually secretly drafting and helping put together these regulations 
so that they favor these incumbents. Um, so they're not really trying to constrain AI overall, but they're trying to secure an advantage. So I thought that was interesting. Well, and then we have the whole, the government is developing AI too. I mean, and if we're being, you know, historically accurate, the government was behind the development of the internet as we know it with the DARPA, um, with DARPA. And it only makes sense that they would be moving into AI too because of the idea that this thing could make, could give them an edge in international affairs and warfare and things like that. Uh, we covered a few months ago about AI-generated uh, warplanes, or AI-controlled warplanes, I should say. And that's becoming a thing. Like, that is something that the governments and the military is actively pursuing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's also interesting to to think about the ongoing crisis in the, the Middle East right now and, and look at all the misinformation, the AI created misinformation, AI enabled AI spread. Um, I know that there's there's been a lot of fake news, for instance, about um, a fake Biden aid package to Israel that, you know, didn't materialize in the way that uh, news outlets were re falsely reporting on. And so I, I understand from a, a government perspective, right? I mean, the administration wanting to kind of rein in on a lot of this when when the consequences it can have can be really so, so drastic on an international level. So um, would you guys say hi, low or uh-oh for this? Because I mean, yeah, it's great to rein it in from like a curbing misinformation perspective. But then like you said, Ryan, what if we start losing a lot of AI innovation to other parts of the world, maybe not so great? What are your, your thoughts? Well, I have a dim view of the government anyway. So for me, hello. <laughs> Um, and, but at the same time, I think as a person who advocates for privacy, the, these AI companies do have to be held accountable for scraping people's data, um, and using it to train their models without any type of permission or compensation that, that to me doesn't seem right. But if you're going to have an advanced AI like ChatGPT, I don't think you're going to be able to wait around for everyone to sign a permission note. So it, it, it's like a, a double-edged sword. Yeah, I don't know if I would make a judgment call at this point in the sense that I think that, uh, you know, on the crypto side, we are always saying it's better to know we're not welcome whether, rather than to wonder forever, right? So at least what we're seeing here, because it's so mainstream, because it's per per permeated into the uh, regular culture and not just crypto heads, uh, at least there's going to be guardrails in place. Whether we want to hop those guardrails, whether they're going to be effective, I don't know, but at least we see the boundaries that people are trying to draw. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's interesting to just kind of watch it, watch it all unfold and We'll, we'll keep reporting on all of this at any rate. Um, the relationship between the tech sector and uh, the government sector is always an interesting one to, to cover. Um, well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about compute now. There were a couple articles this week on quantum computing and cloud computing and companies that are moving into these sectors. Um, 
maybe maybe we kick it off with quantum compute and by the way like i had to look up the difference between the two earlier confession um so it might be might be worth one of you guys also just explaining a little bit of the basics like 101 intro level for anyone listening in because all this is super technical but um let's let's talk about quantum compute first there's this company called Atom Computing that has made a super bold claim. They claim that they're testing a over 1,000 qubit. Is that how you pronounce that? I, I have been learning all, all forms of uh, technical terms related to quantum compute, but an over 1,000 qubit quantum computer that would be available next year, just like for context. Like IBM's most powerful quantum compute right now has 433 qubits. So this is, I mean, this is insane. It's almost like three times as much. Um, why, why does this matter? Could you guys put this kind of in context? Like, why does this matter? And what is it, what is it going to unlock? Like, what is this company called Atom Computing doing right now? Ryan, you want to take that one? <laughs> um, I can give it a shot. Well, first of all, you know, quantum computing is, uh, you know, when they say any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, I feel like that's where this falls for me right now. Not that it is, but because my ability to, to, to understand it is pretty limited. But it's basically using quantum physics and the mechanics that we are un just barely understanding about how the actual universe works to move computing into multi-dimensions instead of just what we're doing right now with your average, you know, Intel chips and stuff like that. How that's actually integrated, I mean, from what I understand, quantum computing is still largely sort of a, a simulation of what that computer would be rather than a computer, but uh, I'm going to be exposing my clear ignorance on this front. But uh, I do think it's fascinating because I think, uh, was it Jose who covered the story? It was uh, just yeah. discussing it with him. It was interesting because he goes, okay, wait a minute. It's sort of like saying that uh, your car can go, you know, 5,000 miles an hour. Um, it, it'll completely, you know, disintegrate, but it'll get there, right? Like uh, it, it seemed like they're reaching this uh, milestone, which yes, greatly exceeds the potential of, big players like IBM, but it's almost like overclocking your CPU to the point where it'll catch fire. Like we'll get, we can get to the speed conceptually, but it is actually not practically a good idea. So I don't know though. I mean, I, I like that we have um, companies pushing the limits and uh, saying, you know, let's go faster, let's go harder. I'm actually interested to learn more about this because I know for a lot of people, especially in the, crypto space quantum computing has always been a i don't want to say i don't know if i want to say fear but you know because of the way that cryptocurrencies are well encrypted that quantum computing and how they're able to process a large amount of data really fast could potentially either break that encryption or uh, make the encryption like um irrelevant but at the same time people in the space are already working on the next generation of encryption anticipating when quantum computing becomes the standard so it, it it's it's a very interesting topic 
And so once, once it does become the standard, what will we just basically be able to massively scale at faster speeds, like from, from a web three perspective specifically? Well, for example, right now you would need a farm of, and this has come from someone who doesn't know that much about it. So take it with a bag of salt, but you would need, you need a farm of a, a large number of processors to mine Bitcoin. Right. So ideally with quantum computing, you could do the same amount of mining with a single computer and half the time, something like that. That That's the, the idea. Yeah, it's hard to, to talk about it without saying, oh, you know, that TV show Loki. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of encryption taking years and years and years to unscramble, all of a sudden, these computers will be able to cut through anything mathematical, like, uh, what's the phrase, hot uh, flaming sword through a butter cow, like, it's going to be trivial. And all of a sudden, things that we thought that we were securing through difficult algorithms are uh, child's play. So anything that we thought complexity was the protection is going to be completely annihilated. So, yeah, that's why crypto is concerned. That's certainly why security people are concerned. Flaming sword through a what? What was that quote, Ryan? That was incredible. Butter cow? <laughs> Flaming sword through a butter cow. Um, I'm, I'm going to remember that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, you heard it here today. Flaming sword through a butter cow. Um, no, I mean, this is all fascinating, right? And I can assume um, uh, we'll also cut down on the amount of energy required um, to be able to process um, things at faster speeds. So um, hopefully, hopefully less criticism from the environmental community, which, um, you know, has criticized uh, Bitcoin specifically a lot for. Well, that's actually a good point, Abigail, because. We just because something's faster doesn't mean it uses less energy. We don't know that yet. And one of the gripes about Bitcoin that environmentalists have is the amount of energy that it consumes in order to basically do what it does. Bitcoin itself doesn't use that energy. The mining rigs use that energy. The the validators on the network use that energy. So and just so just because you cut it down to one doesn't necessarily mean it's going to use less energy. It depends on how much energy that quantum computer needs to work. Yeah, no, that's a helpful clarification there. There's I guess, still a lot of unknowns, right, in this space and a lot to be navigated as we move forward. Um, well, cloud compute, uh, quantum compute, it got, it got kind of technical there, guys, for a second. Um, always kind of fun to, to dive into that a little bit more, but um, let's maybe move on and, and talk a little bit more broadly about some Web3 companies that are shifting into AI, um, as is the trend these days that seems to, to kind of be something that a lot of Web3 companies are doing. Um, and one of the latest ones to do that is uh, Galaxy. Um, they are, if you're not familiar with them, they're an SF-based uh, blockchain, like Web3 site that basically lets people build out online communities through loyalty programs. Um, and they are attempting to use generative AI to make sorting through data sets easier than ever before, essentially. Um, do you guys think, like, is this just all hype? Is this just kind of another Web3 company 
moving into AI and using that to kind of just, you know, draw attention to themselves? Or is this, is this like a good legitimate next move for the company? High, low, uh oh, what are, what are your takes on this story? Well, with, uh, how do I put this gently? Um, <laughs> uh, Don't put it gently. <laughs> Dead. Web3 has a history of shoehorning in things that don't necessarily belong in it. And it's sometimes it's because we don't know and let's find out if it works. Other times it's because I'm trying to pump my bags. And if I use a term like uh, blockchain or uh, whatever, then that'll help. But that's, I think that is becoming the minority. I think you're starting to see more companies um, starting up in Web3 who are using real tech to underpin what they're doing. And what I like about AI coming into Web3 is the fact that AI is very provable. I don't have to believe that you have this thing you can just show it to me. I can go to your website. And if you say you have a ChatGBT API, where is it? You know, I don't have to believe that once I put my money into this exchange, I'll get these coins back that I can use for whatever. It's very provable that you're working with AI. And if you can't prove it, it's very easy for me to go on to the next thing. I would agree that a lot of it is chasing the hype, and that makes sense. I mean, we've covered several stories of how all the investment flow is shifting from crypto to AI. It's not so much that, uh, you know, crypto is not doing what it ever said it would do in the sense that it's still pretty niche, um, but it's where all of the attention globally, the mainstream, I mean, there's an AI story in your local news probably tonight, so that makes sense. But I do think that the actual applications of the technology have ramifications in uh, Web3 the same way they do for accounting and, uh, you know, animal husbandry, probably. So, oh, it makes sense. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the things that uh, I remember speaking to. Uh, I was interviewing this one um, investor, and he was basically saying that because the money is shifting into AI, you're going to have have uh, an outflow out of crypto. The, the, the VC money that was coming into crypto over the last few years is going to shift over to that because it has a broader use case. At the end of the day, blockchain is a digital ledger and it records transactions. It doesn't really do much else until you start applying the layers that make it possible to do other things. Whereas AI, AI can write code, AI can write you a smart contract. AI can teach you how to develop a blockchain. AI can do all these other things that blockchain itself cannot do because it wasn't ever meant to do it. So it it's, it's, has such a broader use case that people are like, okay, yeah, I still have my Bitcoin, but what's OpenAI doing? Getting spicy, Jason. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I, I feel like a lot of, yeah, there's been a lot of reticence in certain Web3 circles, right, when it comes to 
um, using AI uh to scale or just, you know, like a, a sense of, oh, okay, like here, here comes the AI crowd. Um, and I think it's, it's a bit of a shame, right? Because like you're saying, there's a lot of ways that AI can actually be used to, to leverage and to scale blockchain um, and to, to enable it to do more than it was actually created to do. So um always interesting to kind of think about how the the two of them can work synergistically i think though on the ai hype um it is interesting to think about all these new startups that have launched over the last year and one of you i can't remember which one of you was one of you wrote an article recently about um chat gpt and its new pdf reading abilities and the fact that 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 feature alone incorporated as part of Chad GPT could potentially wreck a bunch of AI startups, um, which I thought was really fascinating. So I think there is something to say for all these AI startups that have kind of launched over the last year, just, you know, built on open source tech, but then long term might not really be able to to make it. But which one of you guys wrote that article? Maybe if you could give a little summary of it. That was a really fascinating piece. Well, the... I have to give a hat tip to Ryan for his Steve Jobs quote about, uh, are you a feature, are you a company or a feature? Because I, that that pretty much nailed it because you have a lot of companies coming up. Okay, well, we use AI so that you can read PDFs. We use AI so that you can have a virtual girlfriend. We have a, we, we develop AI to do X, Y, Z. But the only reason why you can do that is because OpenAI, Anthropic, and Google haven't already done it. Once they do it, people are going to be like, why am I going to shady website XYZ when I can just go to ChatGPT? And I, But in these companies' defense, OpenAI did create the ability to create APIs, plugins for its system. So if you were just going to make this yourself, why would you let all these other people do it too? That seems like, okay, well, that was fun. Now we're going to cut that off and just come use us. It, it, it feels like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's the kind of thing where a lot, a lot of small teams, I think, have like come in full steam ahead, blazing into the space, right? But like you said, as soon as some of the, the bigger tech giants are going to start playing around with it a little bit more. They'll just kind of immediately go out of business, which is a little unfortunate. But Ryan, any any POVs on this? Well, the other term that uh, I was talking about with Jason was Sherlock, you know, being Sherlocked, which was when Apple updated its Macintosh operating system to OS Sherlock. I forget how they numbered it back then. Um, but the what that feature was, was a copy of an independent developer's search feature. So uh, obviously you have an innovative developer found a new way to help people search their computers. Um, it's now pretty common everywhere, but at the time it was innovative. And so Apple just built it into their operating system. Um, and weirdly enough, you know, Apple had actually thought about buying them, but basically they just copied them and then put them out of business, or at least they thought they would, everyone thought they would. 
So in that case, what you're seeing, I mean, right now it makes sense that ChatGPT would just say, yeah, we can build a PDF feature into the software that everyone is using. So if your business is doing that, you're you're in trouble. I don't think ChatGPT is going to make an AI girlfriend, so maybe those people are in a better better place. But yes, you always possess the possibility that a really cool idea you came up with can just be copied and built into it, given away for free, removing your entire market. Well, don't forget that um, they included a customization feature where you can change how ChatGPT responds to you. So, yeah, you can make ChatGPT into an AI girlfriend if you wanted to. That's very true. That's very true. I still have yet to test out and, and customize ChatGPT, but they, that sounds fun to do. Maybe that'll be my my task for this uh, this next week. Um, wanted to open up if anyone has any questions, like feel free to to chime in here or just anything you guys want to add uh, to the conversation. Feel free to just kind of raise your hand. We're such a small group, um, so we kind of like to keep it informal and stuff. So. If any of you uh, have something that you want to chime in on, please do. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Ryan, Jason, there was one last article that I thought was really fun uh, from this past week. It was the one that Jason, you wrote on AI tooling for Halloween, um, in which you basically just cover a bunch of interesting AI tooling companies, kind of with a lens around, you know, like... I, I forget how you phrased it, but like, be like, let your inner witch out with these new AI tools or that kind of thing. Um, there were a couple tarot uh, reading AI platforms. I was curious if you had tried any of those. Well, that 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 is my that that is my life. So, <laughs> um, what the one that I have definitely tried that I think has a lot of promises called Tarot2, uh, Tarot OO. Um, and it, it's free to try. So if you click on the link on the article, you can go to the website. And it basically uses AI to generate a tarot reading. So it has different spreads you can uh, go to, you can use. It has different, uh, it has like explanations for each card and how, how it relates to, uh, may, may, how it may relate to your situation. It, it's very interesting. Um, you can also use ChatGPT to do the same thing because there's a bunch of horoscope and astrology plugins that you can use inside ChatGPT. So uh, that that's becoming a, that's a, a big cottage industry in in the AI space. That is super fun. Um, I have an idea for next week. I think that we should all test this out and then bring our AI created tarot reading and discuss it in next week's um in next week's check-in. We can post um let's post our results in the Discord as well. Just for anyone listening in, um Emerge has a Discord channel um over at Decrypt. We'll post it um we'll post it right under this space when we wrap the space up. But come hang out with us over there. That's where we post um a lot of the like breaking stories related to AI and we just kind of like share our POVs on what's happening in the space, the good, the bad, the ugly, et cetera. Um, but yeah, let's do a tarot reading this week, post our results in, uh, in discord and, and then chat about them next week. How does that sound? <laughs> come, come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> thoughts? Oh, Ryan. <laughs> Bring it. Bring I love it. it. I love it. I feel like Jason and I are like, 
way into this and Ray and you're like, okay, we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> well, it's interesting that uh, I, I think that's one of the interesting things for me uh, as far as AI goes is how uh, it makes so much possible that used to take a lot of that used to take a lot of uh, external effort to do because like, for example, if you wanted to do a tarot reading, you need tarot cards. Or you need to find a tarot reader who can read the cards for you. You could just go to ChatGPT and load up one of these plugins or go to one of these websites that we listed in the article and it'll just do it for you. It's like right there. And it puts it how the internet put information at our fingertips. AI is putting Esoterica at our fingertips. Um, Jose did a really good article about one called Mistro Trismegistus named after the uh, historical figure Hermes Trismegistus. And it's basically an AI occult esoteric library in an AI model. And that right there is just fascinating. Oh, that is super cool. Wait, that's amazing. Um, you'll have to share a little bit more info on that in the Discord, um, too. Just I feel like that's that's probably pretty interesting to our, our emerged readers. Um, Cool. Well, I think I think we can kind of wrap it up here for this week. But um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I mean, we we just carve out this weekly um, time for us to get together and just kind of debrief on what is happening in AI um, and also just open up this the floor for you guys if you have questions on any form of, of breaking news that you want to ask Ryan and Jason, this is like the, the perfect time to do it. Um, so we do it Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. You can find us here weekly and then um, in the Discord as well. So come come hang out, chat with us. Um, it's always a good time. And uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, be with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, any concluding words, Ryan, Jason? All good, except when you mess with Taro, I, all I can say is you have to have watched enough horror movies to know it's a bad idea. But okay, <laughs> let's do it. I am a little scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge tarot person. So. Right. Right. We call that misinformation. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> ah. We'll see. We'll talk about tarot and misinformation in the Discord, and we'll we'll check in next week at 12 p.m. <laughs> okay, guys. All nice right. to talk to Bye, you. Bye. Mahalo and aloha. Bye, guys. <laughs>